Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. So if you're listening for the first time, I just want to say a special welcome to you. One of the things I like to do on this podcast is to really examine things that we think we know about life with God and make sure it really stands up both biblically and practically in our lives. And today we're going to be doing that with spiritual warfare. We're going to be talking about the truth about spiritual warfare. So before we dive into this, I need to do a couple of disclaimers. Number one, I believe spiritual warfare is real. Number two, I believe there are both demons and principalities and territorial spirits, as Ephesians 6 explains to us. And number three, I do not believe as Christians we have to be under the influence of any of these powers of darkness. But that being said, there are times that we are. You know, it is possible for a Christian to be oppressed by a demonic spirit. There's an episode earlier in the podcast uh, that I th- believe is called Help, I Think I'm Possessed. And if you've ever wondered if you are being afflicted by a demonic spirit, I want to encourage you to listen to that episode. It'll give you some very practical things to see if that's the case in your life. But today what I want to do is look at the concept of spiritual warfare in the in this way. When is it time to fight? And when is it time to let God fight for us? Let me tell you a little bit about my background with spiritual warfare. I remember being three and four years old in my room and knowing there was a demonic spirit in my room. As I grew up as a kid, I had this major drawing to things about witchcraft and paranormal things, stories, that kind of stuff, movies, books, whatever. And by the grace of God, I never really got into it uh, in terms of practicing it, but I was fascinated. I was growing up in a world where I did not believe that God had supernatural power. And so I was fascinated by the fact that there could be these beings out there. I mean, when the Scholastic Book Fair would happen, I would always buy the books on UFOs and alien abductions and Salem witch trials. I was a weird kid. If you've got a kid like that in your home, encourage them to read the stories of the Bible, get them books like Chasing the Dragon, Jackie Pullinger, where you get to see how the the paranormal of God breaks into the world and help them be fixated on that. Anyways, back on track. So I I experienced that a lot. When I became a youth leader when I was in college is when I really got an up close and personal look at the side effects, the negative, the challenge of spiritual warfare, not only in my own life, but in the life of some of the people that were in my small group. We had a girl who was in our ministry that was very afflicted demonically. She had had tremendous amounts of abuse starting when she was four years old. She'd been diagnosed schizophrenic at 13. She was on multiple medications, psychotic medications. She was an alcoholic by the time she was around 13. Very, very broken person. And through our ministry with her, I learned a lot about spiritual warfare. But since then, I've learned even more. And man, what I wouldn't give to be able to go back to that season of life, I think we could have helped her achieve freedom so much faster. So the big question today is, when is it time to fight? And when is it time to let God fight for you? 
in that process of me ministering to this particular girl and going on this journey on my own, I became obsessed with learning everything I could about spiritual warfare. I wanted to learn all the ins and outs of the spirit of Jezebel, of the queen of heaven, of uh, control and witchcraft. I wanted to learn about the spirit of religion, Python, Leviathan, all these different principalities. And if you've ever really gotten into spiritual warfare, then you've probably heard some of those terms. And I will never forget after about five or six years of me really going down this road of learning all of these things, I was spending time with the Lord and I felt like God asked me this question. Would you like to know how I see spiritual warfare? And in that moment, my whole world began to crumble. I said, Lord, I thought I was doing it the way that you do. I, I thought I was learning all of these things because that's what you wanted me to do. I, I thought that, that, that this is what you see. And he said, it is to some degree, but I want to bring you higher because nothing is higher than me. And from my vantage point, I am in charge of everything. Now, I'm not saying that God is saying that he tells all demons what to do or anything like that. But what I'm saying is what I began to realize was some serious challenges to my belief about spiritual warfare. First and foremost, I believe I was trying to gain as much knowledge about spiritual warfare and specific demons and how they operate and all of that. For me personally, I was doing that so that I could avoid painful moments in my life. In other words, there was this subtle belief in me that if I can know all there is to know about a spirit, then I won't experience spiritual warfare because I'll be able to recognize what it is and it won't be allowed to cause me pain. Now, what you don't know in this moment of my life at that time period, I had a family member that was deeply afflicted by a demonic spirit and it was causing me tremendous amount of anguish and torment. To be honest, I was singled out by this person and it was very, very painful and very dark in my life for quite some time. And so I think my, my perception on how to deal with that was to try to learn everything I could so that no one else could get to me in that way. That might sound like a good plan to you, but ultimately what's happening is it's bringing it into the realm of the flesh and in the realm of control where I'm trying to preserve myself instead of trusting in and relying on the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying we trust in and rely on the Holy Spirit blindly as if we just sort of throw a hope up there into heaven and see what happens. I mean, genuinely counting it as trustworthiness that God is going to alert me and tell me what to do and I will be protected because of his protection, not my own. So I began to have to ask myself, and this is a question I would ask to you, are we addicted to the fight because it gives us a sense of control when we feel powerless? One of the challenges about spiritual warfare is that when we do this regularly as a lifestyle, we do get kind of addicted to the fight, right? It's the first thing that comes out of our mouth. When we experience resistance in life, the first thing we do is start binding up the world, the flesh, and the devil. We rebuke the devourer. We, you know, we go in, we take it into a spiritual realm. But sometimes we're totally missing what God is actually doing. Let me let you in on a little secret. There is resistance in this life. Half the time that resistance is from God himself. How he is growing us, how he is challenging us, how he's shaping us. We cannot allow ourselves to just automatically go into this mode where everything is spiritual warfare when we feel the slightest bit of resistance in our life. God did not promise you an easy life. 
He did not promise you a life with no pain. And he did not promise you a life where everything, every door opens for you and it is only filled with favor. What he did promise you was to be with you in every moment, in every season, that you would be allowed to experience his peace and his grace even when things are going crazy around you, that he would be available to you at all times. So that means sometimes you're in spiritual warfare and other times you're experiencing the resistance of life or someone else's spiritual warfare and you have to learn how to encounter God in that place. Not being addicted to cause every call everything demonic and really go after, you know, all of that process. For me, this really was a journey of the way I like to articulate it is basically going from the battlefield to the bedroom. Learning to not just live on the battlefield of spiritual warfare, but learning to cultivate an intimacy with God where in the private places of my life, he is coming through for me and I'm experiencing his peace. So coming up higher is so important for us when we're talking about spiritual warfare. Come up higher. Look, I need you to understand something. When Jesus is doing his great commission, right, right at the very beginning of Acts, he is ascending into heaven and he says, go into all the world. You know this? Go into all the world, make disciples, right? Cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, <laughs> normal Christian life stuff. And he talks about how all authority in heaven has been given to me and now go. And when he says that, he's not really saying I've given all authority in heaven to you. He says, I've given that all authority in heaven has been given to me, says Jesus. And so there's something about spiritual warfare where we begin to learn that our authority is actually his authority working through us and that our greatest place of um, importance, the greatest area of focus that we need to have in spiritual warfare is learning to discern what God is doing and stand in his authority in that way. This is completely different than feeling like we are standing on our own on a battlefield with a sword drawn with like Lord of the Rings style ogres, you know, coming at us on all sides. We are never alone. Listen to me. You are never alone. So if you are battling something spiritually, if you're coming against something and you're going, gosh, this has got to be a principality, a power, some kind of huge thing. Stop right now and remember you are not alone. And you are not doing this on your authority. You are operating under his authority. Jesus Christ is not just the son of God. He is actually God himself as well. This is what Ephesians, I believe it's three, says the mystery that was made known to man. In other words, when Jesus was walking on the earth, the spiritual realm knew that he was a son of God. There is an unbelievable book that gets into the theology of this that I highly encourage you get. It's called The Unseen Realm. It has a companion book called Supernatural that's a little bit easier to digest from an author named Dr. Michael Heiser. And these books, what they do is they explain how the heavens were created based on certain scriptures in Genesis and Deuteronomy. And I'm going to give you the nutshell version here. The nutshell version is that God actually created a family in heaven before he created his family on earth. And he had sons of God. And there's places in Deuteronomy where it says there was 70 sons of God. 
In Genesis 6, when the Tower of Babel happens, God actually disin- he, he, he disinherited the people, humans, and he gave them over to different principalities and powers. In other words, he gave different people groups over to different sons of God, and they were supposed to rule these people in a good way. Some of them chose to become bad, as we know. And this is where we get the concept of principalities, actually. These principalities were originally sons of God, and Jesus was one of them. That's what they thought. And what happens when Jesus comes to the earth and he has these encounters with demonic spirits and the spirits say, we know you, you're, the, you're a son of God, right? You're the son of God. What they're saying in that moment is you are like us. You're like us. And what happens is when Jesus takes up the cross and they kill him, the demonic realm rejoices, right? They think that's what we were going for. We've, we've killed him and now, now he won't be in our way. But the mystery Ephesians 3, the mystery that was not made known to them was that Jesus Christ was not a son of God. He was the son of God. And after the resurrection, Jesus ascended into his rightful place as God himself alongside of the Father and the Holy Spirit. So all the sons of God are under the authority of Jesus, the son of God. And it is Jesus and his authority that is at work within you. What does this mean? This means that you and I are much more powerful than we know. We are much more powerful than we know, not because of something that we have done, but because of the one who lives within us. Look, when you are making a stand in spiritual warfare, when it is time to fight, this is how you are fighting. The son of God is fighting through you all authority in heaven on earth. There is no spiritual force that is more powerful than Jesus Christ. None. And they all know it. The challenge is when we allow our flesh to get in the way and we begin to taint our ability to host the presence of God in that way. So when is it time to fight and when is it time to let him fight? Well, you've got to get really good at tapping into what the Father is doing. What the Father is doing. We cannot take ourselves out of the fight just because we want to. If God is saying, look, this is your time to stand. I need you to stand with me. Then you've got to do that. But there are other times when the Lord wants to fight the battle for you. So how do you know which one is which? Well, let me ask you this. Which atmosphere are you living under? What is the atmosphere that you are living under? If you're familiar or comfortable with the idea of spiritual warfare, then you're familiar and comfortable with the understanding of territorial spirits. This is what Ephesians 6 is talking about. It's what the sons of God do. It's, it's essentially that there are ruling powers, presence uh, of darkness, that are, are ruling different regions of people. Well, this is biblical because Deuteronomy and Genesis both allude to these sons of gods, like I told you, that, are, uh, that were given geographical locations to rule. And uh, the, the beauty of the cross and the resurrection is that now all the earth re-belongs to God, right? He reclaimed it through what Jesus did on the cross. And so you and I go about our lives reclaiming the territory that all belonged to God originally and, uh, and bringing it back into his lordship. And so what that means is as we confront other demonic ruling powers... We experience sometimes the atmosphere that they are releasing. So in Oklahoma, for example, we have some serious principalities of like the spirit of religion, the idea of legalism, this concept that we are, are worshiping Jesus because we are trying to earn his, his approval and his favor 
by how we live our lives sacrificially based on morality, not based on the grace of God and the free gift of salvation that he's given us. This would be an example of that. So while that is in the atmosphere, everywhere you go, there's also another atmosphere. Think about it like this. If you take two, com- two different perfumes and you spray them both at the same time, they both exist simultaneously, but they are made up of different things. You and I, as we grow in the Lord, we have to learn to discern which atmosphere we're living under. In other words, which perfume we're going to inhale. They are not like levels like divided by a ceiling or some sort of blockade. They live intermingled between each other. I wish I could, you know, create like a video graphic of this sometime to explain just how intermeshed the kingdoms of the world are. The kingdom of darkness in heaven and the kingdom of this world, the earth. They're much more intertwined than we think. And so what we have to do as believers is learn to discern which atmosphere are we living under. Jesus demonstrated this so beautifully. He only ever lived under the atmosphere of heaven, right? In the midst of darkness, in the midst of the Roman oppression, in the midst of the intense legalism that Jerusalem was experiencing, Jesus found a way to live under the atmosphere of heaven. And you and I need to do the same. When is it time to fight and when is it time to let him fight? Well, it depends on what he's doing and you have to know that you're tapped into the right atmosphere. I believe what God is looking for in our lives is lasting freedom. Lasting freedom. That we're not fighting every day, that we're not battle weary, that we're not, uh, you know, our armor is not pierced and bruised and beat up and and that's the best that that. It's going to be because we can't afford to get out of the battlefield for a moment to get some new armor. There's a time to fight, but there is a time to rest as well. I can't tell you exactly which is which, but I can tell you as you begin to realize which atmosphere you're living under, you'll be able to see. Are you addicted to the fight? And if you are, why? Listen, you get to choose the atmosphere that you live under. You get to choose it. This is one of the greatest places of spiritual warfare that we have, that you get to decide, I will not receive any messages from the kingdom of darkness, period. I will not allow the kingdom of darkness to channel or project or manifest things in and through my life. I am walling that off. I am making a deliberate choice that my mind and my spirit and my soul and my very body will only ever be attuned to the atmosphere of heaven with Jesus as my territorial spirit. How do we do this? Well, we got to get good at discerning what he's doing. Let me just say a note about torment for a moment. I believe that when we talk about resting in warfare, one of the things that happens is we, we kind of start excusing demonic torment. And that's not what I'm talking about. Demons, they love to torment people. And they will look for opportunities, right? But if you have settled in your heart and you are walking in the blood of Jesus, united with Christ, you are paying attention to not deliberately open doors to the enemy, then you will be able to know when the enemy is coming in. You will. And if you don't know it right away, as you continually live free before the Lord, he will show you. Listen, my life has been completely changed by taking on this different perspective. 
someone asked me recently, they said, look, I've watched all these things that you've been through. You've been through so many difficult things. And it's like you you just keep growing in your love for Jesus. And she said, I, I've been going through all these difficult things and I don't feel that way. I don't love Jesus more. I'm not thankful for these things. I, I'm really having a hard time. She said, what is your secret? I said, listen, my secret, if you really want to know, is I gave up fighting. I gave up trying to control. I gave up trying to find a demon behind every struggle. I gave up trying to cast out uh, uh, in spiritual warfare the challenge behind every issue I was facing. And I said, Lord, I can't live like this anymore. The highest place in the kingdom of God is loving you, knowing you, being at one with you. Give me revelation of that. Bring me up higher into how you live in this world. Let me enter into a relationship with you like you have with the Father. That's the prayer Jesus prayed for you and I. And as I did that, as I let go of my need to control through using spiritual warfare as a mechanism to control the outcome of my life, I began to experience rest. Of course, there's times in my life where I stand up and we make a statement, right? And we proclaim to the atmosphere, you're not doing this, devil. But those times are fewer and far between than they used to be. You know why? Because when I'm living under the atmosphere of Jesus as my territorial spirit, he takes care of a lot of that for me. Now, I would be being dishonest if I didn't say that, you know, it's not bliss all the time. I still have really difficult times in my life. I still have a lot of questions. I still have a lot of frustrations. But what I've discovered is that's normal. That's normal. And I have to decide what is the line in my life, right? What's the too far line? What's enough for me to question the Lord? What's okay for me to question the Lord without walking away from him, without growing in bitterness? Not everything is demonic. Some of it's just human nature. And the only way you can decide that is to continue to see, are you addicted to the fight? Is God asking you to fight or is he asking you to rest and let him prove his trustworthiness to you and discerning what the atmosphere is that you're living under? When is it torment, actual demonic torment, and when are you blaming resistance on demons? These are hard questions, I know. They really are. I know that spiritual warfare is real. I know it's more rampant than we want to, to believe. But I also know that you and I, in our unitedness with Jesus, that is so much more powerful than we think. So much more powerful that the truth would set us free. So what do you do with this? Where do you go with this? Well, I want you to know that you need people in your life that are good at deliverance, that have success with deliverance, that understand their authority in Christ. You need people like that. There are times where, you know, you probably are going to let your guard down too much. I had one of those. Uh, I shared this on Instagram a couple weeks ago, but I was at a house church meeting with some one of our house churches and um, talking about spiritual warfare and someone was getting healed and they were getting healed of something that was a demonic spirit of affliction that was uh, on them. And I was leaving that meeting and I was thinking about my arm and I've been having this shoulder issue from how I sleep for about six or seven months. And it goes and comes and, you know, sometimes it's worse than others, but it had been particularly bad for a couple of weeks. And I left that meeting and I thought to myself, maybe this is actually demonic. Maybe I'm being a little too laxed with this, right? Because the word of the testimony, it had challenged me. 
And so I just began to pray something as simple of this. In the name of Jesus, I reject every demonic influence in my life right now. I cleanse myself with the blood of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would protect me and uproot every evil thing the enemy wants to do. I declare over my life that no weapon formed against me will prosper and no scheme of the enemy will prevail. And I declare over this arm that you will function with complete healing in the name of Jesus and every demonic spirit will leave and and stop afflicting me. And then I wait on the Lord for a second and just ideas begin to come in my mind. So I began to rebuke a spirit of fear. I began to rebuke a spirit of, of control and anxiety. And as I did that, I felt the warmth of God touch my arm and my shoulder was totally healed in about 60 seconds, totally healed. Now it's still sore now and then the way that I, you know, depending on the way that I sleep on it. In other words, it's back to how it was originally, but I had invited somehow through not dealing with some fear that I'd been having, I had let my guard down and a spirit of fear had come and was trying to get into my life. It's not hard to deal with that. It's not hard to boot it out when I understand my authority, right? But here's what you need to hear me say, because I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of what the enemy can do because I know who is in me. And the one who is in me and the one who is in you is not just a son of God. He is the son of God. And he chose you to be his temple. And that means something in the spirit realm. You do not have to exhaust yourself fighting and fighting and fighting Come up higher where Jesus is your territorial spirit, where the Holy Spirit is your possessing spirit. Come up into that place and exercise your authority and know that when it's time to get off the battlefield and rest in the bedroom with him, that you can do that and you can trust him in that place. Come up higher, friends. Know the authority that God has been given, that Jesus has been given. Know the way that it affects the atmospheres around you. And know this, you don't have to live under anything you don't want to. Anxiety, fear, depression, worry, doubt, pain, panic, all of those things and more. You don't have to live under them if you don't want to. Come up higher, stand in his authority, and let him fight with you and through you. I just want to end just by praying uh, over you for any of you guys that are are experiencing just a battle weariness today. Any of you guys that are feeling like all I do is fight, but I'm afraid that if I'm not fighting, I'm going to be overtaken by darkness. That is a lie. And that lie is from the pit of hell. And that lie is trying to convince you that God is not powerful enough for you and that if you're not fighting, he won't fight for you. And I know as you hear me say that, you know that's not true. So let's pray. Just put your hand on your head or on your heart if that's how you're feeling. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every single one of these battle-weary spiritual soldiers 
that you would refresh them now. And we come against the way the enemy has been driving them into striving and into self-preservation. And we cut the power of that right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask that your authority would become the primary revelation of their life, that they would understand what it means to be a child of the Most High God, that they would truly understand and live from the place of knowing they are united with you and protected in every way. Father, I ask that you would increase their revelation of peace and rest in this time. And Lord, I'm asking for the confidence and the courage to be obedient to the places where you are leading them. Lord, we pray that as you are raising up mighty warrior sons and daughters, that these sons and daughters would be warriors unto your name and in your name, not in their own flesh. Lord, I pray right now that the things the enemy has doing to distract them would come to a stop in the name of Jesus and that they would enter into your rest and into that higher place. Lord Jesus, we proclaim that you are the atmosphere we want to live under. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.